0: Good morning again. It is Palm Sunday. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. And after this scripture reading, we'll get into a time of worship. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day... The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Oh, would that not be our prayer today, that people would go after Jesus that they would seek Him and that they would find Him as they seek after Him with their whole heart. We enter to what we as the church know as the Holy Week. Jesus enters in. A triumphal procession is taking place. They're worshiping. But at the end of the week, they will be crucified. Oh, Jesus, Father, God, help us as we reflect on your crucifixion, as we look towards celebrating the resurrection next Sunday. I pray, God, that we would seek after you this week. Father, that we would truly draw near to you. Your word says that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. I pray, God, that those who do not know You, Father, that You would be pleased to reveal Yourself to them through Your Son, Jesus, and that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would have a a bold confession and a strong belief that You rose from the dead and that You are the Son of God. And that, Father, that You would speak to the hearts that are entangled with fear, peace peace be still for you are sovereign and holy and we come collectively together this morning to worship you and you alone so father have your way among us this day i pray in jesus name amen Amen. let's worship our king Hallelujah Father that you are on the throne Father you are renewing your people Father that you are drawing the loss unto yourself that yet though the nations are trembling Father I thank you God that your name is going forth the gospel is being preached throughout all the nations oh God let hope arise let faith arise oh God and let your enemies be scattered we thank you that our hope is in Christ and in you alone and Father we know that hope in you will never disappoint us so help us Lord to take our eyes off the chaos and to fix them upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we thank you yet for another day to gather, to sit at your feet, to open up your word, to hear from you. I pray, God, that you would speak today, God, that strongholds would be demolished, that we would be quickened to repent for the areas in our lives, God, that You, Holy Spirit, would bring conviction to, that we would see repentance as as a gift. God, that our heart wouldn't remain hardened towards You, but that, God, we would be broken before a holy God. God, that we will humble ourselves God, that you would awaken within us and and give us, Father, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. That, God, that we wouldn't settle any longer just remaining a lukewarm Christian. But, God, that we truly would be laborers in the harvest field. That we would be a people about our Father's business. That we would grow and that we would mature. To be more Christ-like. That our desires wouldn't be on the temporal things of this world. But that God, we would seek you, our creator. So Father, have your way among us this day. I pray that our hearts would be of good soil to receive your truth. That it will take root and produce lasting fruit in our lives. Protect us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. We opened up this year with this scripture. And it's a scripture I'm going to hold before us each time we get together. As I prayed for us at the beginning of this year and as I've been sharing with you all, truly this is a year to grow in our faith. Truly this is a year for renewal and revival among us. That we would truly have a heart towards God. That we would truly seek Him while He may be found. That we would live lives honoring Him. Not lives that just talk a good talk but lives that are empowered by His Holy Spirit drawing us and calling us to be more Christ-like. Oh, this Christian life can be lived. We're not to settle just to have a form of religion. Oh no, but we are called to live it out. The same power, the Bible says, That rose Jesus from the dead is within us. A resurrected life. A life no longer enslaved to sin, but a life renewed in Christ. And in Christ alone. So I challenge us, what are you giving yourself to? Who are you giving yourself to? What are you putting your hands towards? What are you taking in through your ear gates and your eye gates? What are you looking upon? It's not of God. It's worthless. You're allowing the created to define you. But when you look to Christ, when you truly recognize your position and your identity in Christ, and don't miss that little word in, I in, your identity, if you're a believer in Christ you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior your eyes have been opened to see that he is the Son of God you have a belief and you have a confession that he rose from the dead oh God <laughs> then we can walk in the newness of life because the Bible says as for Christians our identity is in Christ we're in Christ we're not outside of Christ We're in Christ. And oh, what a place to be in. In an unchanging world. In a world that just keeps changing. In a world that chaos comes and goes. It's so unsettling. But as believers, we can take comfort. We are in Christ. Oh, I hope you hear that this morning. I hope that you can receive that understanding. If you're truly a believer, and if you're not, then come to Christ. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. And come to be in Christ. Your sure foundation. Engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And grafted into the family of God where you are given the right to call Him Abba. To call Him Daddy. Do you know Him at that personal level? You ought to know Him. This is the hope that we have. There's nothing in this world that can offer us hope. There's no other faith. There's no other belief in this world that can offer you hope as the Christian faith gives. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And don't twist that scripture to keep yourself strapped and locked into your sin. Because apart from Christ, this world stands condemned. The wrath of God is coming. And those who are not found in Christ will be swallowed up into His wrath. Just as the days of Noah, those who were not in the ark were swallowed up by the flood. Oh, it's vital that you know your position either in Christ or outside of Christ. Oh, but I pray that if you're outside, you come in. While, it's, while there's time, while there's still time to come, God, His mercies are new every morning. His will is that none shall perish. He is gracious and kind. His love endures forever. <laughs> oh, that's great news. That's great news. And so, don't, as the scripture says here, don't be misled. The justice of God cannot be mocked. What you have harvested, you are going to pl- you're going to receive. What you've planted, you're going to receive. What you're giving yourself to, you're going to receive it back upon you. And oh, how I pray that you're awakened this day. To sow into righteousness. As the scripture says, to be holy as I am holy. To truly seek Him. To truly know Him. To truly honor Him. To be found in Christ. Let's just stay there for a second. Do you have the assurance today that you're in Christ? We are about to enter in these next two weeks. The Corona Task Force is saying, the President is saying, like we're about to reach the peak. These next two weeks are going to be the deadliest weeks within our nation. People are going to die. There's no way around it. The death rate is going to escalate. This virus is choking the very life out of people. We can't make take light. We can't make light of it. We can't make light of it. And then even in our own area, Orange County, the peak for our area, the peak for our nation is the next two weeks. But the peak for our area is May 3rd. So we almost have like a month of death ahead of us. Where they say it's just going to escalate. Oh, how I prayed that God would intervene. But rather He does or He doesn't. He's still God. And yes, we pray and we ask for His mercies upon the nations. That this plague would be lifted up off of us. But rather it is or it isn't. He's still God. (laughs) His plan of redemption is still in place. Because if it's not the virus that's going to kill you, it's going to be something else. Death is coming. But the good news is that Jesus has already conquered death and sin. So if you're in Christ, whom then shall you fear? What then shall you fear? Because you're in Christ. And oh, how we need to wake up every single day and throughout our day to remind ourselves Of the good news. And then not just to remind ourselves, but tell others, you all. Who would have ever thought we would have lived in a day when the plague has covered the earth? Come on. Who did you ever think that you would be in a generation where a plague is covering the earth? Life as the earth knows it, as the nations know it, are being shaken. Oh, church, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. Our redemption is drawing near. Christ is returning. We don't know the day or the hour. Oh, but I pray as we read last week, that we're prepared. Are you prepared this morning? Because the justice of God will not be mocked. There's a concern that I have and I even shared on Friday night. Uh, Yes, I'm concerned about the lost. Yes, I grieve and I ask God to, 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 to break through the hardness of their hearts and to be pleased to reveal himself to them that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But just as I'm broken for the lost, I'm broken for those that are sitting in the church with a false sense of security. They may have Jesus on their lips, but he's not in their hearts. They are still on the outside. They're not in Christ. They have a form of religion. They can pray a good prayer. They can quote the right scriptures. They can shout, they can dance, they can shuck, and they can jive. They may present to have some type of power, and yet, and yet, they're lost. I'm not impressed by how people perform. I'm not impressed how they can evangelize and witness I'm not impressed with how eloquently they can pray or their knowledge of scripture if it's not changing their lives. Come on, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. This is not the day or the hour to play church anymore. This is not today, the day and the hour to believe that we're saved and we're not. And you say, well, how do I know? Am I saved? Is there fruit in your life? The Bible's very clear. You will know them by their fruit. Not by their knowledge. Jesus, He's resurrected. It's a transformed life. It's not a perfect life. It's not a life that keeps all the rules and the laws. No, it's a life. Who has submitted to Christ, his lordship, who has received him as Savior and King of kings and Lord of lords? Fruit is coming forth. We're not excusing sin in our life. We're not just being blatant, living in sin and still claiming Christ, but yet that's what's going on in the church. Everything's being allowed in the church. Sin is running a month in the church. Everybody wants to claim their identity and then slap Jesus on it. That's not the Christian faith. Oh, you've got to wake up. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Before we get into our scriptural reading of walking through the Bible. But Galatians chapter 2. Oh, you've got to see this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. And then chapter 3. Verse 1 through 5. This is where Paul confronts Peter. It says here in verse 11, But when Peter came to Antioch, and had to oppose, I had, this is Paul saying, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth. Not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by observing the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus. So that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. The law, you all. Jesus didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. And now we're not striving to keep the law in and of our own self. No, a life in Christ, we understand that the law has been fulfilled. And that which Christ has came to do, we now have access to. So it's not that we do away with the law, but we recognize that the law has been fulfilled in Christ. So our position and our identity is in Christ. And oh, there is freedom from the law. Because the law always points to what you can't accomplish in and of yourself. We're not to be a religious people. We're to be a godly people. In Christ. In Christ, Peter was a Jew. This is Peter we're talking about. This is Paul we're talking about. And Paul is no longer boasting in the knowledge that he had. He's reminding Peter, wait a minute. We're in Christ. He's reminding Peter of his identity. We are in Christ. We are made right with God, not by the law that in which we tried to keep. Or the knowledge of it, or even our birthright as Jews. No, it all has to do with Jesus. Jesus. He goes on here, verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. What that means, what I'm sorry, would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law that that I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. So that I might live for God. I'm not striving in and of my own self anymore. God has made a way. As I said earlier, the world already stands condemned. There's no way around it. No matter how they want to rewrite the gospel. No matter what they want to shout from their pulpits. No matter how they may want to live and slap Jesus on their lines. No, they stand condemned. Outside of Christ, they are condemned. But God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the good news. God made a way. And we always talk about how God gets a bad rap. Everyone wants to blame God for everything. Everyone wants to hold their fist up to God and question God. And I keep encouraging us, there is no error found in God. The error is found in man. Sin is running rampant upon this earth. Chaos, confusion, disease, all of it comes from sin. But God has made a way through His Son Jesus that we can. do no longer we don't have to any longer be pulled by the weight of sin or the, or the mess and the chaos of this world. No, but that we can step into safety. That we can be embraced by love. That we can have peace that makes us whole and we can move in the chaotic world with peace that surpasses all understanding because we know we're saved, not by our works, but because of Christ and Christ alone. Ah, that's good news this morning, you all. He goes on here. Verse 20, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, But Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting. This is how we should be living, you all. This is what we should be planting. (laughs) So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat, oh, listen to this, the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Oh, the church should say amen. The church should say amen. Christ fulfilled the requirement. He fulfilled the law. And now He calls us to come out of the world to turn from sin and to come in Christ. Come behold your Creator. Come behold your redemption. Come behold your salvation. Jesus, you all. Jesus. And oh, if we don't have the right understanding or the right truths... We would, pretend, we would continue to live with one foot entangled with the chaos and one foot over here in religion. And that's not going to save you. It's not going to save you. A life being transformed. There is, if there's active sin in your life today, stop making an excuse for it. Repent. Turn from it. Come to Christ, be renewed, be made whole, be saved, (laughs) remain in Him, abide in Him. Apart from Him, the Bible says you can do nothing. Don't take on and don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't listen to how He's distorting truth and all these false gospels are being peddled out there and people are just grabbing on to them. I've always encouraged you all, when you hear the gospel being preached, giving you the right to yourself, run from it. Because that's not the gospel. That's not the life of a disciple in Christ. That is not what Christ said. He says, no, the call of a disciple is to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him. No matter the cost. Because as this world keeps escalating, as the times are approaching to His return, (laughs) the more hated we're going to be. Those who are in Christ, (laughs) we're told already what the days would be like before His return. That's why it's important that we get grounded and rooted in our position In our identity in Christ. Careful what you're giving yourselves to. Careful to what you're listening to. Careful to to what you're believing. That's not really believing at all. The enemy is prowling around seeking whom he may devour. As the time approaches to Christ returns. There's going to be such a move of signs and wonders on this earth. The Antichrist is going to come and he's going to deceive by doing all these signs and wonders. People are going to be captivated. But the church, listen, we're not to be captivated by what's going on in the world. You better start loosening your grips that you have in the temporalness of this life. Rather, it's relationships that you shouldn't be in because they're not honoring God and you're calling yourself a Christian. Rather, it's a form of entertainment you're taking in because that helps you pass the time to numb your senses. Rather, it's just your backbiting, your filthy mouth, your gossiping, your slander. It needs to stop. All of it just needs to stop. God's people needs to be awakened. We are His holy people, set apart for His purpose. He's prepared good works for us to do in this generation. And I reminded you all on Friday night, as I have in the past, you were created for such a time as this. As long as there's breath in our body, there's work to be done for the kingdom of God. There's work to be done for the kingdom of God. Why do you think this plague has hit the earth to snatch the breath out of people? Come on, church. We got to wake up. We got to stand guard. We got to push back. We got to start taking the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. We've got to start taking every fault captive and bringing them into the obedience of His Lordship. We've got to wake up and be the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're to be like those virgins whose lamps were ready. They had enough oil. We're not to be like the other five who weren't ready. They were around the other virgins. They knew the bridegroom. But must we remember, the bridegroom didn't know them. In fact, when they came back, when they were ready, he says, I don't know you. Are you known by God? Are you in Christ? Oh, listen to chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Oh, you foolish Galatians. This is Paul writing to the church. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely, if it was not in vain, surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. Uh, Listen to this, church. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Christ and Christ alone. When you believe in Christ, when you turn from your sin when you repent and you receive salvation you're born again of a new nature you now must grow and mature in this new nature but praise be to God not in and of ourselves but by the Holy Spirit whom we have received God in us God in us He's our comforter, He's our teacher, He's our counselor, He's the way maker. Your life needs to be dependent upon Him to grow you, to mature you into this new identity in Christ. Go to Numbers chapter 27 and then we're going to read through chapter 28 verse 15. We started, a while ago, walking through the Bible. And it was my hopes, and it has still my hope and my prayer, that as we're walking through the Bible, as we're reading a portion of Old Testament, a portion of a new, in the New Testament, in the book of Psalms, and then a nugget of wisdom from Proverbs, that we will come to a place that we truly know our God, to truly see Him for who He is and in seeing Him for who He is, and receiving Him through Christ, such great salvation, that we would live for Him, that we would know Him beyond a shadow of a doubt, that our eyes would be open, that we would breathe afresh and anew, each and every morning, that God has been pleased to reveal Himself to you, Through His Son Jesus. You didn't begin this work. No, He's begun it in you. There's no need to turn back now. There's no need to get caught up on what's going on on the right and the left. No, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and He's the finisher of your faith. He will see us through. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. Oh, death is coming, but death doesn't win. That's the good news for Christians. Death is coming, but it's already conquered. So we're not fearful. No, we live a life purpose. To be about our Father's business. From the beginning to the end. From Genesis to Revelation. God has a plan. He makes it known that He will have a people that He will call His own and that in return they will call Him their God. That they will live for Him. That they will honor Him. From the beginning He set aside Israel for Himself. We have read how He has pulled them out from out from among the other nations. How He's listed out these, the, the way that they are to worship Him and to live for Him. And we've seen them continually turn from Him, continually grumbling and complaining and fault-finding, never satisfied with what God has given them, but always looking back on what they had when they were slaves in Egypt. Come on! Are you satisfied with who God is, And what He's doing in your life, you ought to be. He's not done with you yet. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. His mercies are new every morning. His love endures forever. Even when we fall, He's gracious and kind to get us right back up. That's why the Word says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. That's why we're encouraged to continue to persevere. To run the race that is set before us. To gain the prize at the end of our lives. There's work to be done, you all. God has set them aside. They have wandered around for 40 some odd years in the wilderness. They're about to enter into the promised land. Last week we read how He separated them. He, he 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 did another census. They did another census. Now they're about to distribute the land that they're about to enter that God has promised them. And so we pick up here, chapter twenty-seven. One day, a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophat: Maya, Noah, Holka, Micah, Milka, and the uh, and. Tirzah, these names, I butcher them all the time. But anyways, their father, Zepholad, was a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Micah, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Oh, I love this, you all. They say, our father died in the wilderness, they said. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin. But he had no sons. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons? Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord replied to Moses, The claim of the daughters of Zepholah is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father. And give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. And if he has no daughter, either transfer his inheritance to his brother's, if he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If he, if his, but if his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Oh, this is so beautiful, you all. And I want to read real quick this <clears throat> commentary from Charles Spurgeon regarding this chapter. Listen to these words. Moses brought their case before the Lord. The children of Israel had not seen the promised land, but God had declared that He would plant them in a land that flowed with milk and honey. That land would belong to them and their descendants by a covenant of salt forever. These women... Listen to this. Believed in and valued this heritage. They were not like Esau, who sold his birthright for a mess of port port portridge. They were. They regarded it, though they had never beheld it, as being something exceedingly substantial, and they didn't want to be left out when the land was divided. They were anxious about an inheritance they had never seen. And in this regard, they may testify to us. There is an inheritance that is far better than the land of Canaan. May we all believe in it and long for it. It is an inheritance, however, which mortal eyes have not seen and the sounds of which mortal ears have not heard. It is a city with streets where the streets are gold, but none of us have ever walked them. Never has a traveler to that country come back to tell us of its glories. There the music never ceases, but no member of the heavenly choir has ever come to write out for us the celestial score." Oh, what a beautiful reminder of the land that is promised to us. For eternity, you all. For eternity. For those who are in Christ, Christ is returning for them. And for eternity, we will be with God in heaven. In this home in which we have never been, but we know of, these women knew they were about to enter into a land that was promised, that would be flowing with milk and honey. And they wanted their part. And praise be to God, their request was answered, just as it is with ours. We can grow weary in this world. But do not grow weary. (laughs) Remember, you're just a pilgrim passing through. There's a greater land that we're going to enter in. Oh God, I pray how we can find comfort and encouragement in that. Verse 12, one day the Lord said to Moses, Climb one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land I have given the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron. For you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zim. When the people of Israel rebelled, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to them at the waters. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the, com- so the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar, the priest, who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar, the priest, and to the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Wow. Notice Moses didn't bicker and complain. as we've always seen with Moses. He cares for God's people. He has led them. And he is not going to be able to enter in. He is called to climb up and to look out. But then you'll die, Moses. then you'll die. Death comes to us all. But do we truly have the peace and the knowledge of our God that when it comes we know that He's accomplished what He has purposed for us and we can die in peace. The greater news that we have as believers in the New Covenant is that Jesus has already conquered death. So yet, though this physical body is going to face death, we already know death is conquered. To be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord. Come on, you all. But then, sh- then shall we fear. Whom then shall we fear? No one. For who is like our Lord? No one. He's God, you all. He's God. Oh, how I pray for us. How I pray that we, as Moses, would have compassion for God's people. That we, like Moses, would have pa- compassion for the lost. Don't leave them without a shepherd, Lord. That we would be about our Father's business, sharing the good news, telling others about Jesus. There's no better day than today to start. (laughs) To make that an active part of your life, to share your faith. Again, we're beyond just coming to church and showing up for church and sitting in church and then just going back out and living however we want. Those days are over. This is an awakening. And God forbid and God help us if we don't understand the hour. God forbid and God help us if we just go back to how we did things. This is a season to grow, this is a season to be awakened. We've been shaken. This is a season and this is the hour. Not just to clap our hands and put on our religious face. No, but it's a season to grow in our faith. To be about our Father's business. To share. It's not time to lock ourselves up in our homes. It's not time to lock ourselves up and, and keep, our, and keep our, our, the gospel silent. No, we have to share. Reach out to people. Use the platform of social media. Talk to your family members. Talk to your neighbors. Share with people. And encourage yourself. Chapter 28. We're going to read through verse 15. But before we do, I just kind of want to give you a little commentary note on this. In preparation, because he's preparing them to enter in to what he's promised them. So in preparation for entry into the land, the instructions for regular sacrifice and celebration earlier are summarized. Beginning with daily, Sabbath, and monthly offerings. And then with the celebration of annual feasts. And so don't miss this. This summary shows clearly how Israel life in the land is to revolve around the worship and service of our Lord. Just as it was back here when he laid out all these offerings and sacrifices and all of that. Like all of that, that God had planned and purposed and set into motion was to get them to a place where they lived a life regularly worshipping and serving their God. They were to be a different people. They weren't to be like the other nations. And when we begin to see, as we read just a few chapters ago, when, when when they were enticed by the other nations by their idols, by their women. We've got to be careful, again, what we're taking in, what we're looking upon, what we're listening to. We've got to be careful to long for the things of this earth, to long to do what the lost is doing. It will never satisfy us. To live apart from Christ, There's never any satisfaction. Sin will never satisfy us. We always have to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper deeper into destruction. For the wages of sin are death. We're not to be yoked any longer with sin or to be enticed and to run to it. No, we need to allow our roots to grow down deep into Christ and come to a place in your heart, in the depths of your being, that Christ is enough. I am satisfied in Christ. That's why when Jesus began to transition in His ministry and He began to tell His followers, thousands of them, That I'm the bread of life. He began to give them spiritual understanding. Remember what scripture says. We always talk about it here. The multitude looked at each other and said, What is he saying? This is too hard for us to understand. And they turned and they left. They went back to their old ways. But he looked at the twelve and he said, Are you going to... And they remember, they, they, they replied, where can we go? You hold the words to eternal life. And all oh, that's where we need to get. That needs to become our confession. Where else can we go? That's why when I love when the Bible says he makes a way out of every temptation. Temptation in itself isn't sin. It's when you get into it. But he makes a way out. And that way out is reminding yourself, I am satisfied in Christ. Where else can I go? He holds the words of eternal life. Why am I going to trade my birthright for something so temporal that in the end will, will adds no value to my life? And it doesn't matter what the sin is. It can just be you're just a gossiper. Whatever it is that that is controlling you, you need to die to it. You need to repent of it. You need to learn and you need to grow in Christ. You need to have the victory over it. Because Christ has already given us the victory. We must persevere day by day by day by day. not allowing the old man or the old woman to rise up, but to keep them nailed to his cross. Remind yourself daily, and as I've encouraged you before, dead men and dead women have no rights. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do what I want to do. Ah, not if you're a Christian. If you're outside of Christ, go live however you want. Go do whatever you want. Have and and enjoy all of it. Eat, drink, be merry. Have at it. Because that's all you've got. That's all you've got. The lost is not our enemy. I'm not angry at the lost. I'm broken for them. Because I remember what it was like to feed off all that worthless stuff. To be so enticed and so inflamed with lust, with a bad attitude. Again, it doesn't mean that you won't have temptation. It doesn't even mean that you're not going to slip up and fall. But you're not going to remain down. Because you're going to remember your identity in Christ. You're going to get up. You're not going to make excuses any longer for your sin. No, you're going to be quick To drag it out into the light. To expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. You're not caring what man is going to think of you. And how they always want to tell you what a failure you are. Or what your past was like. No, because you know your identity is in Christ. You know what has been promised. You know what he has accomplished. So get up. Saints. Children of God, they don't stay down. They don't stay entangled. No, you're free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. How does He transform us? By changing the way we think. Let your mind be renewed. Let faith arise. Grab hold of Christ. Don't stay stuck in your failure and beat yourself up. Oh, look, I'm not I'm not, a, I'm not a, look how, what a bad Christian I am. And you make it all about yourself. Get over yourself. Get up and get to, into Christ. He's your shelter. He's your salvation. He is your hope that will never disappoint you. So he lays out a summary yet again of these offerings, of these sacrifices, of these feasts that will continue as they enter into the land that was promised to them to keep them centered on Christ. And oh church, we better remember how important it is that we don't forsake gathering together. We need each other. To encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. Not to stay isolated and distant. Not to think that we can just walk this out on our own. No. The church is a gift from God. Because we're the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to be healthy, functioning, fully functioning in our gifts. So that the church can accomplish what God has purposed for her to do. Verse 1 of chapter 28. The Lord said to Moses, give these instructions to the people of Israel. The offerings you present as a special gift are a pleasing aroma to me. They are my food. See to it they are brought at the appointed times and offered according to my instructions. Say to the people, this is the special gift you must present to the Lord as your daily burnt offering. You must offer two one-year-old male lambs with no defects. Sacrifice one lamb in the morning and the other in the evening. With each lamb you must offer a grain offering of two quarts, a choice flour mixed with one quart of pure oil of pressed olives. This is the regular burnt offering instituted at Mount Sinai As a special gift. A pleasing aroma to the Lord. Along with it you must present the proper liquid offering. Of one quart of alcoholic drink. With each lamb poured out in the holy place. As an offering to the Lord. Offer the second lamb in the evening. With the same grain offering. And liquid offering. Liquid offering. It too is a special gift. A pleasing aroma to the Lord. On the Sabbath day. Sacrifice two one-year-old male lambs with no defects. They must be accompanied by a grain offering of four quarts of choice flour moistened with olive oil and liquid offering. This is the burnt offering to be presented each Sabbath day in addition to the regular burnt offering and its accompanying liquid offering. On the first day of each month, present an extra burnt offering to the Lord of two young bulls, one ram, and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. These must be accompanied by grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil, six quarts with each bull, four quarts for each ram, and two quarts for each lamb. This burnt offering will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You must also present a liquid offering with each sacrifice, two quarts of wine for each bull, a third of a gallon for the ram, and one quart for each lamb. Present this monthly burnt offering on the first day of each month throughout the year. On the first day of each month, you must also offer one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. This is an additional to the regular burnt offerings and its accompanying liquid offering. This is what God has put in place for them. But praise be to God. We're in the new covenant now. Jesus was our offering. He was our sacrifice. Daily. We are to worship Him. We're to honor Him. We're to live for Him. We're to have an active relationship with Him. Our King. Our God. He has set us apart. We're not to be like and look like the other nations, the other peoples. We are to be holy as He is holy. We are to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are to engage actively with the Holy Spirit and with the body of Christ to accomplish His purpose. Praise God. Go to Luke chapter 3 verse 1 through 22. John the Baptist prepares the way Luke chapter 3 verse 1 through 22 it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiriabas the Roman emperor Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea Herod Antipas was the ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was a ruler over those two cities. Annas and Calias Caiaphas. Caiaphas were the high priest. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for Him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened. And in rough places made smooth. And then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. <clears throat> when the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You broad of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. For we are the descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now as the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, What should we do? And John replied, If you have two shirts... Give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to tie, I'm sorry, to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering, uh, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with ever with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as, as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongdoings he had done. So Herod put John in prison, just, I'm sorry, adding this sin to his many others. John the Baptist preparing the way, preparing the way of the Lord, calling sinners to repentance. And they were coming. (laughs) And not only were they coming, they were eagerly wanting to know, what then shall we do? Because they all knew the Messiah was coming. And he gave them instructions. Live a different life than how you've been living. Show fruit in your lives from repentance. Be baptized Come on, you all. Prepare the way for the Lord. Even Jesus tells us, He tells His disciples to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all my commands. Hmm. This is our purpose. John the Baptist he didn't peddle a soft gospel he didn't water down what God has planned what he was entrusted with he lived out And sometimes it's easy maybe to dismiss him. He's a little rough around the edges. But John knew his calling. And when it comes to dealing with sin, you don't treat it with kid gloves. When it comes to people's eternal lives, rather they are going to spend eternity with God or in hell, no, we don't treat it with kid gloves. We don't make light of it. We don't just sing this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. No, we're to be the church. Mm. We're to be bold in our witness. Yes, we display compassion. Yes, we as he's telling them, we serve, we think of others before we think of ourselves. We seek Christ daily. We offer our lives daily to the Lord and then we live that out. Come on. Don't treat it lightly. There's nothing cute about sin. There's nothing cute about people being enslaved to it. There's nothing cute to laugh along with it. There's nothing cute to be enticed by it. Its end is death and destruction. Its end is eternal condemnation, damnation, fire, hell. So we don't treat it lightly. From the beginning, the appointed man of the hour, John the Baptist, to prepare the way, he was prophesied. God will fulfill what God has spoken. The last couple of verses here. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized as he was preparing for, for the heavens open and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, Come on, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Praise be to God. Jesus, you all. He was baptized as an example. He wasn't baptized because he was sinful, he had no sin in him. But as an example. Oh, I pray if you haven't been baptized and you've given your life to Christ that you don't delay. <laughs> be baptized. Let, your, let that announcement be made known that you're dead to self but you've been raised up into life, to a new life in Christ. Oh, And listen, it's so vital for each of us to be discipled. You've got to be discipled. You've got to understand Christ, His teachings. To how to to walk in the Spirit habitually, the Bible says, so that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. In Galatians it tells us the flesh and the Spirit, they war against each other the flesh the enemy and the world they're not going to leave you alone that's why you must be grounded and rooted in Christ that's why you must be dressed daily for battle in the armor of God that's why it's daily and moment by moment you're living this out you know your God you're in Christ you know your position You're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And as we learn from our spiritual warfare lesson, I believe last year or the year before, we already have the victory. So when we pray, we are praying from a place of victory, not a place of defeat. Ah, that's why it's vital. That's why I don't understand how people think that just A a, a couple hours or an hour in church on one day is going to be enough for them just to get up and live it out. No, they're just showing up to check it off. No, this is to be lived. I told you before, in my beginning days, as a Christian, and even throughout now, and I pray until the day he returns or takes me home. How now then shall I live? I know what the old man likes. I know what the old man would do. I know what the old man would say. But that old man has been crucified with Christ. So now, how now then shall I live, Lord? Teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. And get around. Christians, uh-huh. not people who call themselves Christians, but their life has no fruit. Again, just because they can pray a prayer, just because they can stand on a platform and preach, just because they can know the Word, if they have no fruit in their life, no transformation taking place, something's wrong. Now you want to seek fellowship with people who are living this out. Not perfect people, but people who are living it out. People that when they do sin, they don't make excuses for it. They grieve over it. And they're quick to repent. I'm so sorry, God. And they're quick to ask you for forgiveness. Because remember, the Bible says it's not the loss that we're to stay away from. No, we're to stay away from those who call themselves Christians. They hold a form of religion, but they deny His power. Don't even eat with them. Don't even have fellowship with them. And there's a reason why. Because we don't take lightly sin. We don't take lightly that they're trampling our blood of our Savior, making it so common and of no use. And we just go along with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your sister. Bless your brother. They're not a sister. They're not a brother. God, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to hold each other accountable. We got to keep moving forward, pressing on and pressing in. We got to stop laying the standards so low so that everyone's in. Because that's not what God has done. That's not what God has done. The standard is his son who came to this earth to save a rebellious people. Oh, they praised him as they entered, as he entered into the city, but they crucified him at the end of the week. They beat the heck out of him. They ripped his body to shreds. They nailed him to a cross, a criminal's cross. And they raised him up. And even while he he hung there, he looked out. And he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. He took his last breath, you all. And it was a painful death. And for what reason? But for you. But for me. Three days later, praise be to God, he rose from the dead. Conquering sin. Conquering death. Stripping hell of the enemy of his power. He is risen indeed, you all. He is the author of life. He's the giver of life. He's the hope that springs forward. He's Jesus. He's Jesus. And we better stop playing like He's nothing. Like He's just like every other idol and God that man has created. No man could have created this God. No man could have drafted out a plan like this. He's God and God alone, you all. So look up, because your redemption is drawing near. Go to Psalm chapter 61, Psalm 61. Psalm 61, King David wrote this, and as I've been encouraging us, as we're reading through the book of Psalms, listen, the author of these psalms, they were just mere men, but they knew their God. Life came at them every which way, and they were real, and they were honest about and expressive about what they were enduring there's times when we read of them having intense panic attacks. There's times in which we read that they are dealing with such anxious thoughts. There's times when we read where they are fearful. There's times when we read that th- their enemies are after them for no reason at all. But yet, though they are expressive and truthful into what's going on around them, they look up to the God who would see them through it. Come on, we've got to learn. We can learn from the authors and psalms. We don't have to portray that our lives are perfect and everything is going great when it's not. The reality is, yes, you're going to go through. And yes, yes. You can share with the truth of what you're facing. But don't stay stuck. Don't pitch a tent in the midst of your valley. Walk through it. Walk through it. And don't demand others to pitch a tent with you and sit with you in the midst of it. That's why I always tell you when I'm counseling people, and they love to say, Don't tell me to pray, don't tell me to read another scripture, don't tell me to, to to fast and to worship God. Oh, then what do you want? What do you want? You want me just to take seat with you in the midst of your muck and your mire? You want me to just to take seat with you in the midst of your depression and your anxiety? What benefit is that going to do for you or for me? Because then I'm just going to latch myself to to it. No, we've got to link arms. We've got to keep moving forward together. We've got to keep moving forward together. We've got to keep encouraging each other, edifying each other, building each other up. Reminding us of who our God is and what our position is. And whom we are in. Yes, we have compassion. We're to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. So I'm not saying we don't, we don't treat it, you know, and have concern. No, you do. But you help them keep looking up. Keep offering hope. Keep going forward with them. It's not time to pitch our tent. It may seem like that's what we need to do. But it's not time. We are just passing through. We are just coming through. (laughs) Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say yea, though I take up my tent and I sit. No, yea, though I walk through the valley. (laughs) Walk with me, sister. Walk with me, brother. I'm going to get to the other side. But right now, life is heavy. Life is hard. But walk through it with me. And this is coming from someone who deals with anxiety, who has lived years of their lives with panic. I would love nothing more than to take seat and to sit, but it will kill us. It'll give the enemy a foothold. And he would develop a stronghold. I don't want you to have pity on me. I don't want you to feed into it. No, I need you to be bold. With compassion. With love. I'll walk with you, brother. I'll walk with you, sister. But we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep moving forward. Look up. And if you're too weak to lift up your head, I'll help you lift up your head. Look up. Look up. Psalm 61. Oh God, King David pins. listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge. A fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. David is in the midst of it. And yet he's looking up. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name. Add many years to the life of the king. May his years span the generations. May he reign under under God's protection forever. May your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him. Then I will sing praises to your name forever as I fulfill my vows each day. Not only have you heard my vows, but God, I'm going to fulfill them. Because you're the only source, you're the only strength that will see me through. You hear my cries for help? Are you turning to God first? Before you turn to man, before you turn to brother or sister? Surely I hope you're not turning to the lost for comfort or to the temporal things of this earth for comfort? Are you turning to God? Are you crying out to him? God have mercy. Especially in the day and age in which we're living, there's a pandemic on the earth. There's a virus killing people. The death rate is going to escalate. I'm hearing reports of even people in our own city, in our own county, that are dying. Their loved ones are in the hospital, they can't get to them, they are by themselves i listened to the report with tears yesterday of what's happening in Italy. The suicide rates of nurses and doctors. They are at their wit's end. They are the last ones seeing these people. The family members can't come in. The priests can't come in. No one can come in. And so not only are they doing their job But they're also having to stand in for their families. They have to stand in for the priests. They have to do. They're exhausted. Our nurses and our doctors here in the states, they're exhausted. And the hospitals that are being overwhelmed. This is crazy. This is a crazy time. This virus, more information is coming out about it. It's crazy. It's highly, highly, highly contagious. People don't just have to cough and sneeze. You just be around someone who's talking. And if you're not six to 10 feet away from them, you take it in. And then it takes two weeks. And you wake up one day and you can't breathe, you're having trouble breathing. You begin to suffocate. It's coming on fast. Yes, there's some signs, yes, some people. It doesn't hit us hard. But those that it does, it comes on quickly. And then if you even heard the president yesterday, yes, everyone's carrying on about the ventilators. But the reality is, is that even at the point of them being on it, they may not even survive. And it's throughout the earth. And we want to play church. We want to just keep Carrying on like it was last month, last year. Life as we know it. No, 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 no. Wake up! Wake up! We've got to live, you all. We've got to take every moment we have and live for the glory of God. Hear our cries for help, O oh Lord have you turned to God in this hour? Have you cried out to Him? Could you imagine if the church spent the two to three hours that they're captivated by a movie, captivated by Netflix, captivated by games, captivated by all the stuff that numbs them, and spent it crying out to God? <laughs> oh, come on, Rob. I- That's just religious. Oh, that's just, you know. No, no, no. That's the Christian life. Are you crying out to God? God, hear my cry. Lord, have mercy. Extend your mercy, God, to the nations. Lift this plague off of us, God. Oh, God, help the sick. Help the medical professions, those that are serving on the front line. God, give them strength. Give them wisdom, God. Give the scientists wisdom. God, provide for the people. The economy is being shaken. Are we crying out? You are our strong tower. You are our safety, our shield, our strength. God, let us not live in fear, but let us be moved by love and compassion. Let us seek to to be bold in our witness in this hour. God, forgive us for being complacent. Forgive us of the sin that so easily entangles us. Forgive us for just keeping one foot in and one foot out. Whatever it is that you need to repent of. To, try, to draw close to God. To seek Him while He may be found. Forgive us of our lukewarmness. God, ignite a fire within me. Restore the hope of my salvation. Take not your spirit from me, Lord. But raise me up in this hour and for the days to come. My eyes have been opened. Oh God, I don't want to live like I lived before. Are you crying out? Do you know your God? Write a psalm. Pen your words. Leave it for the next generation to read. Oh, that we will know our God, you all. Let's close with two nuggets of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. Ooh, Lord Jesus. Proverbs 11, verse 16 and 17. Nuggets of wisdom from the word of God. A gracious a gracious woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Oh let's hear the wisdom and not only be hearers of it, but do it. A gracious woman gains respect, but a ruthless men but ruthless men gain only wealth. That we would seek to be gracious and kind. Not just out for our own. Just to gain and to gain and to gain and to gain and to to hoard it for ourselves. Your kindness will be rewarded. But your cruelty will destroy you. God help us you all. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close us in prayer. Jesus.